praise the Lord. We thank him for his goodness. We thank the Lord for his mercy. Uh, every time we have an opportunity become, to come before the Lord, to study his word, to learn about him, sharing his word, all of those things, whenever we have that opportunity, that, my brothers and sisters, is a wonderful blessing. It's not something to take lightly, uh, definitely not something for us to take for granted. We praise God because he's always in control. We praise him because he knows exactly what to do. We thank him because when we come before him, we can expect to get exactly what we need. Amen. Exactly what we need. And that's a good thing to know because uh, there's a whole lot of people looking for a whole lot of help. But we who are of the household of faith, uh, we don't have to look far. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ. And for whoever's going to listen to this message, if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, this is your opportunity. This That's part of what this is about, is to introduce you to our Lord and Savior and to um, to, to help motivate you uh, to think very, con very seriously and consider very seriously uh, where you are headed. Uh, amen. The Bible teaches very plainly that it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Amen. You do have the right to live your life. Whoever's listening to this, you have the right to live your life any way that you want to. This is true. God has given you permission to, uh, to do that. However, God does have a preference of how he wants you to live. And although you have and retain the right while on this side, the land of the living, to live any way that you want, please understand and be advised. God also reserves for himself the right to weigh in and make a final verdict considering how you live. So make sure that what you do lines up with what he says. Why? Because he's going to judge you according to what he said. So that's something to keep in mind. Very, very important. All right, family. The word of God says this in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32 through 37. That's our text that we've been, um, that we've been uh, embarking on. And my goodness, it has been good. The word of God says this. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Amen. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. As always, may God richly bless those that hear and do uh, his word. We always want to be doers of his word and not just uh, hearers. In the last lesson, we talked about um, a number of things. We reminded, were reminded uh, that it is important that we remember who we are. And we talked about how um, um, the voice of the enemy 
will always be effective against those who forget who they are and whose they are. So you got to know, you got to retain the knowledge, amen, of who you are, okay? And you got to also retain the knowledge of who you belong to, amen? These things are very important. And we talked about a number of issues or uh, side effects, uh, repercussions, if you will, that come as a result of forgetting who you are, amen? And, 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 and we learned that when we forget who we are, uh, very briefly, we learned that you'll forget who you have access to, you'll forget what you have access to, and you'll forget ultimately what you can do. Amen. 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 So you forget that who you have access to, you forget that you can act, have access to the Lord. You also forget what you have access to in the Lord. Amen. We have what? Victory. God gives us victory. Amen. And um, we forget that what we've also forget what we are able to do. God, victory is, is, is present and accounted for in the Lord. But when we remember who we are, then that means that not only do we know that victory is in the Lord, but we are able to go and get that victory. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 2, 14 says this. Now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Amen. The, 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 the epistle writer said, you know, all things, thanks be to God. Why? Because he always causes us to win. That's what that means. When the Bible says, cause always causes us to triumph in Christ. What he's saying is, is that he causes us. The Lord causes us to win in Jesus. Amen. Let me say that again to whoever, whomever, wherever, and whenever you may listen to this. Victory is in the Lord Christ Jesus. It just simply is. Victory is in Jesus. And when you remember that, you got to understand some, there is victory that is really at your fingertips. Yes, God will give it as he meets it out. But the point is, is that you have access to it and it's going to be all right. You will, you will win. So it's important to know these things. Amen. We also discovered that when we forget who we are in the Lord, then we, we start to uh, take on some characteristics that are very similar to King Saul in our text. Okay. We find ourselves afraid of the voice of the enemy. That's what happened in first Samuel 17 and 11. We find ourselves glorifying and championing the might of the enemy. We start heralding and, and talking up the enemy's exploit, what he's able to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a bad position to be in. We're, we'd start, we, when we, when we give in, when we forget who we are in the Lord, we start becoming the spokesman. We start becoming the hype men and the hype women, so to speak, for the enemy, talking up his stuff like, like he's something great. Amen. We start really heralding the exploits and the, and the, and the resume of the enemy. Amen. Amen. We, we, we just, and, and we see that in first uh, Samuel 17, uh, 31 through 33. And then of course we have, um, we have Proverbs 18, 21, which tells us very plainly that death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. Amen. So we, we can't afford, if you really think about it, we really cannot afford to find ourselves being the spokesman for the enemy. The devil is a liar. 
We're not owning his voice. We're not taking it on. We're not adopting his view. No, 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 and no. The devil is still a liar. He is a defeated foe, and it don't matter what he try to do. Look, it's game over for him. His, his, his judgment has already been pronounced. He on about borrowed time. And his day will be over soon enough. We, we don't want to waste time. We don't glorify the enemy. We don't want to waste time putting up his resume. We, we, we're not going to do that. No, no, we're not getting ready to advertise him in his ways. No. So we don't want to we don't want to do that. Why? Because when we start doing that, we're completely ignoring the, the, the flawless battle record of the almighty. We don't want to do that. We don't want to ignore the exploits of the almighty. Why? Because God is unstoppable. God is undefeatable. He, he, in fact, he's never been defeated. This is why we call him that. God is undisputed. There, there's no, the, the devil wants you to think, the enemy wants you to think that he is a viable alternative to God able to get you what you want, able to sustain you, able to keep you. The devil wants to be God, but he's not. And he will never be. He wants you to think that you're better off living your life the way that you want. Why? Because he knows that when you don't live a life for God, whether you realize it or not, no matter how good you are, you're living a life for the enemy. You're living it for the devil. Amen. Amen. He want to tell you that that self-reliance and self-pride and all this kind of stuff is a good thing. He want to tell you all of these different things and he wants you to buy into it to the point where you rely completely on that. He wants you to do that. Why? Because pride and iniquity was found in him. He thought he was all that. He wants you and I to think that we are all that. So he don't mind if uh, sending people to, to, to stroke our ego and all of these things. The devil is in love with the message of this world. And why wouldn't it be? It's pretty much handcrafted by him. They're saying what he wants you to, he does, he, listen, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't care. The devil will do whatever it takes to get you to think that he is a viable option, that he is an alternative. And I'm going to tell you, there is no alternative to God. There is none. There's no other savior. There's no other name other than the name Lord Jesus. And when the enemy starts coming up, no, 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 no. We're going to cast that mess down in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, the Lord Jesus Christ, rebuke you. We don't need his rhetoric. We don't need his lies, and we don't need to entertain his foolishness. He's going to try to kick, in, kick up dust. That's what he does. I've said this before. The devil's going to do what the devil does. And what is he going to do? Gonna, he's going to cause problems. Going to try to make it hard for you and difficult for you. That's just what he's going to do. But family, you got to remember something. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. God is greater. Listen, there is no God and then there's the devil. The devil is a created being and a fallen one at that. He is not equal to God. 
you, you need to understand, he doesn't have power similar to God. He is not almost on par with God. He is not just as good as God. He is a knockoff, a pretender, a counterfeit, a liar. But he wants you to think that he's more than that. Why? Because he thinks more highly of himself than he should. And the Bible warns us about doing all that. So no, 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 we don't want to get all off into the voice of the enemy. We don't want to get all off into forgetting who we have access to, what we have access to, and what we can do through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's when, amen, amen. We never want to forget that. Now in our text, amen, as we, as we move forward, in 1 Samuel 17, 32, the word of God says something very interesting for us. Definitely something we want to pay, make, make a, a note and pay attention to. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Amen. Amen. Let's unpack this. Let's get into this. My goodness, God's word is good and just gets better all the time. So David says um, to Saul, starts out, he's talking to the king. And he says, let no man's heart fail because of him. Then he moves on. And he says, thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. Now, Goliath, we said, stood as an enemy. Okay, so he's an opposition. This man is an opponent through and through. And he stood as an opponent against Saul and all of Israel. So he's, he's not, he, he don't make no mistake. He ain't, he's not for the, the, the children of Israel. He's all against them with everything that he has. Okay. And he stood as an opponent, not just to the king, but he stood as an opponent to the soldiers. He had no respect. He didn't care about the king and he didn't care about the people of the kingdom. Didn't care about any of that. Okay. Goliath was willing to run his mouth and speak his rhetoric and issue forth his challenges and his threats and all these things. And he did so to everybody. He had no respect of title and position and all of that. No, no, no. Goliath meant business. The Philistines meant business. They wanted victory by any means necessary. And oftentimes what the enemy will do is try to intimidate you with his voice. Because we said before, success and victory more often than not, starts with the mind and the heart. And we said that. So the enemy will start to play on your mind. Why? Because he knows if, listen, if he can beat you in your mind, wherever your mind is, everything else is going to follow. We said this last week. I want to make sure that I remind you, to, uh, remind you of this again. Amen. What, you, what your eyes focus on your mind will gravitate to. What your mind gravitates to, your heart will invest in. What your heart is invested in is going to dictate what you do. And that in turn, ultimately, 
is going to be used by God to determine where you ultimately go. Make sure you understand that. Where your eyes go, your mind goes. Where your mind goes, your heart goes. Where your heart is will ultimately be used by God to determine where you go. If you want to do the right thing, listen, you got to start with focusing on the right thing. You got to start with looking at the right thing. So many people are challenged. The Bible says learn to do good, simply revealing to us that statement alone that you don't just automatically know what to do. See, when the world, the world will push a message that says, trust yourself, believe in yourself. But the word of God says, you know, he that trusts his own heart is a fool. God knows that that, that, ain't, that, ain't, that don't work. That's just a that that's just a catchy slogan by the enemy that he's been using all time and time again to de deceive so many people. Wanting you to think that you are your best judge. Go with your gut feeling. Go with how you feel. That, that if you if you can't you just hear the, the, the rhetoric of the world? Follow your heart. Let your heart lead you. Man, let me tell you something. Family, you better let the word of God lead you because your heart will deceive you. See, because the state of your heart will always be a reflection of the state of your mind. And your state of your mind will always be a reflection of what your eyes entertain. Again, I'm going to say it. Where your eyes go, your mind goes. Where your mind goes, your heart goes. And where your heart is will ultimately determine or be used by God to determine where you go. The Bible says, learn to do good. And to do that, you got to stop filling up on trash and garbage and things that are unrighteous and unholy, nasty, defiled. You got to stop. Because the longer you keep looking at it, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what the sin is. If you keep looking at the wrong thing, you keep glancing at the wrong thing. Eventually, you're not going to have to glance at it anymore, anymore because your mind is going to take over at that point and it's going to seep into your thoughts. Morning, noon, and night. And as it invades your thoughts, as unrighteousness becomes more and more prevalent in your thoughts. Why? Because it started with you looking at it more than you needed to. As it invades your heart, your thoughts, it's going to gain hooks and inroads into your heart. And that's where it all goes south. And you don't want that. You absolutely do not want that situation. Not even at all. Amen. Make sure you understand that. Make sure you understand that. So David here tells him, 
let no man's heart fail thee. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight. Goliath stood as an enemy against everybody. And he didn't care whether it was the king or the soldier. Listen up, family. The devil don't care about your pedigree. Don't be so foolish as to think that you are above temptation and that you are above the wiles of the devil. The devil can deceive anybody whose heart and mind is not stayed on the Lord. And that is just the bottom line. How do I know it? Because when your heart and mind ain't on the Lord, you deceived already. He didn't already did it. You are already deceived. When you think you can just take, you can do, you can, you can get to God whenever you want to, you already deceived. When you think that you got time to go and just do God's thing, you already deceived. When you think that you can put God on the back burner and that there will always be time for you to do that while you do what you want to do, you're already deceived. When you think that you just got to do a few more things to get yourself right instead of coming to the Lord and confessing your sins, repenting of your sins, being washed in the water of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and then being filled with the Holy Ghost. When, and when you think that you got time to get just get to that or before that you get to that, you need to do some stuff to get yourself ready to get to that. You already deceived. You are already deceived. And that ain't nothing but a lie from the enemy to keep you stagnant so that you don't move forward. Do you know how many people never get right on the wings of and on, on the, on the coattail of, uh, I just got to get myself right. I got to get a few things together and then I get right. Do you know how many people still there? More than we can count. There are so many people who put off letting the Lord get them right because the devil sold them a bill of goods. That led them to believe that they gotta get themselves right. See, the devil ain't, ain't above telling you, yeah, yeah, that might be true. You might need to do that. But you know what? You got to get yourself together first. You see what he's doing? The devil don't want you to get right. He wants you to put it off. Why? Because that gives him more time to dangle the carrot of sin before you. Get you all distracted. Get you all off course. Get you all twisted. And before you know it, that thing that you knew to do, I know that I need to make some changes. I know that I need to get right. I know that I need to change this and all these things. You know what's happened? You put it off again. But this time you did it with good intentions. Good intentions, bad intention. Listen, if the Lord ain't in it, all that's going to lead down the wrong path. And you're going to end up where you don't want to be and where God does not want you to be. I'm just talking plain this morning. Because the enemy is fighting for somebody, but you know what? God's fighting harder for you. And I know that what you've done is, is, is terrible. And yes, you went too far.
but there is no bridge too far that God cannot cross. Stop trying to prepare yourself and get yourself right. Just go on and let God get you right. Change your mind about your sin. Stop being cool with it. Stop being okay with it. Stop making excuses for it. Own it for what it is. It's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong, which means God says it's wrong. And it's not about to get right no time soon. It is wrong. You got to own that. You got to square up with that. And then you got to repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Now, repentance is not just saying I'm sorry. You've got to change your direction. It is a complete U-turn. Amen. 180 degrees, so to speak. That means that if I'm going this way, thinking it was okay, now that I am in contact with the word of God and I know that it is not okay, well, I'm not going to try to spin that as okay. I'm not going to try to pawn that off as somehow being okay. It's not okay. And I'm going to acknowledge it and I am going to repent of it, which means I am going to turn away from it. That means my I am no longer going to intend to do the wrong thing. I am going to be I am going to be intentional in doing the right thing. I am turning my mind away from that with the intent of not doing it anymore. Now, are you going to have the strength to not do it on anymore? No, but that's why God gives the Holy Ghost. See, it's a partnership. God knows what he's doing. But God, but you need to understand, God is not going to just let you get away with sin. And he not, <laughs> how do I put this? Salvation is free, but you're not going to get it without acknowledgement that you need it. Salvation is free. But it will never be given to those that don't acknowledge that they need it. You only accept salvation when you need it. And if you are living in a in a in a in a in a zone in your mind somewhere where you are good. Salvation ain't going to work for you. It's not going to work for me as long as I'm telling myself I'm okay. No. The Lord forbid. The only person who wants that scenario is Satan. That's it. He's the only one that wants that scenario. Those who are saved are sinners who have been saved by grace. All of them have sinned and all of them were in need of a savior and not one of them. Those who are truly of the household of faith, not one of them was able to save themselves. Not one of them was able to get themselves ready to be saved. Listen, you're already eligible for salvation because you're a sinner. That's the only qualification. Salvation is for sinners. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's for the unholy. It's for the unrighteous. Salvation is for them that have gone too far. For them that have done too much. Salvation is for them that can't get it right. But all who have humbled themselves to know that they need to get right. 
and they are willing to turn away from what is wrong. So these are not people that are just playing. No, not at all. And then they are obedient. They are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They do their part. They do what God has assigned them to do. And God does what he assigns himself to do. What does he do? Circumcise that heart. Fills you with the Holy Ghost. And when you get it, you don't, you don't wonder whether you get the Holy Ghost. Bible says these signs shall follow them that believe. Glory to God. And this is why in the New Testament, this is why you see that speaking in tongues as the initial sign that follows it. You just, you see that. Proof of receipt. That's what the Lord would, that's what he said. We, we can't change that. We can't undo that. He does the work, but he gave you a way to know that he did it. That's what happens when you speak in tongues. Yes, it is a prayer language and all of these different things, but but if you dial it back and just and, and look at it from the 10,000 foot level at the end and just, just look at it, listen, it's also your proof of receipt. It's how you know he did what he said he was going to do. He set a pattern. Remember, word of God, we taught this in lessons past. When God does a thing two times, at least two times, it means the thing is established. God set an order. That's why you see it happen multiple times in the book of Acts. So you know what to look for. How do you get it? You, well, you can't strong arm it. God got to give it to you. It's a gift. You just have to desire it. That's it. Open your mouth. He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. He will absolutely take care of the rest. Some get it before baptism. Some get it during baptism. Some get it after baptism, but they get it. And when I say baptism, I'm talking about the water baptism. Baptism has two sides. It is a coin with two sides. There is a physical side and there is the spiritual side to it. The physical side is that which you can do. You getting baptized in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. The spiritual side is what he does. The circumcision of the heart and the filling you with his very own spirit. Amen. These are the things we just talked in plain this morning. And I know that's taking some time, but somebody needs to know that. Stop putting off tomorrow, thinking that you're so far out there, you got to get a few things together. You're never going to get them together. That's what the enemy wants you to think. You're not the first person who he has deceived in that. Listen, the devil, when you get so close to salvation, when you get close to turning your life around, the way the Bible says do it, not something with somebody come up with, but the way the Bible says do it. And I want you to hear this very clearly. When a person gets that close, do you not think that the enemy knows that? There, listen, there's enough unclean spirits and everything else out there. The, the devil knows, the enemy knows. Now the devil can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not, he, he, you know, he's not omnipresent. I told you, he's not, he's not, he's not, 
equal to God. You don't have God's skills. You don't have God's ability. You don't have all that. But there are many, 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 many unclean spirits. And they are all in league with the enemy. And so when you get close, trust me, when you get close to getting right, don't think the enemy, <laughs> don't think the enemy don't know about that. He got goons all over the place, unclean spirits all over the place. And they are much faster than you. So, tr so trust me, news travels. Soon as they start observing that you, that you, yo, you're on the verge of getting right. The them unclean spirits gonna click, look, they're gonna kick into overdrive, family. That's what they do. When you get that close, when you start getting to the point where you're about to turn your life around, the enemy, the devil, gonna pull out all stops, even if the stop that he needs to pull out is the one that says, Oh, wait, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, you might be, you might need to go this right. You might, this might be what you need to do, but but look, look, look. You got to do a few things to get yourself together first. So work on this first and then you can do that. Then you can do it. He know you and I going to do it at all. <laughs> he, he already, it's a lie. It's a lie. And he loved to pull it out when people get close to making that decision. But family, you got to push past and you got to make that decision and you got to go all in with Jesus Christ. Simple as that. Yep, it's an illusion. You're not going to be able to get yourself right. But there is a God of heaven and earth, the only true and living God. His name is Jesus. When we call him that name, guess what? He alone is able to get you right. I'm reaching for somebody. I just feel that in the spirit. I'm just reaching for you. Amen. So Goliath stood as an opposition to, uh, to, 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 to all of Israel. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so he, he came against these men who, had, who were distinguished. They had great titles and all this kind of stuff. Okay, they he, the, Goliath challenged all of them. Okay, these were men who had greater names at this time, um, uh, uh, greater references, greater uh, pedigree, so to speak. All of them so-called greater than David, but yet the enemy came. He didn't care about the pedigree. He wanted to intimidate all of them. And if you think the devil's gonna give you a break because of who you are. Because maybe you have somebody in your family who's a prayer warrior or somebody in your family who loves God or somebody in your family's argument say, if you think because you grew up in a household of people who, who are believers that you're going to get a pass and you're going to somehow get, let me tell you something, you're not going to skate into heaven. You're going to slide right into hell because listen, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, all men and women will stand before God for themselves. You are not going to slide into heaven on the righteousness of mom and dad and anybody else. You got to square up with God, your own sin. That's mama that's going to be in heaven. You not. Daddy going to be in heaven. You not. Grandma, grandpa, those who are of the household of faith are going to be in heaven. And guess what? Don't you think for a minute that heaven ain't going to be the same if you're not there. Well, I guarantee you, it's going to roll right on. It's, ain't nobody going to miss you neither. 
How do you know it? Because the word of God says that on that day, he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. Listen, that means that whoever don't make it, when I get over there, I'm not going to lose no sleep in heaven because somebody didn't make it while I was here on earth. I'm telling you right now, as with the breath that I have in my body, you better get right with God and you better do it now while you got breath in your body. Don't put it off. You get to that church and you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Tell them do it right in the name of Jesus. Do it just the way it was done in the Bible. We cutting through all the noise. Don't let, listen, don't let no, don't, they gonna tell you, no, well, we're gonna do it in the name of the Father, Son, ain't nobody in the, in, the, in the Bible ever been baptized that way. Don't you do it. If they do it, you tell them, you know what, that's good. Now I want you to do it again. But this time, I want you to use the name of Jesus. You got to do it the way the Bible says do it. Somebody will say, you know what, well, you know what, Brother Walker, you splitting hairs. Let me tell you something. I will split hairs and the Adam all day long when it comes to following the word of God. Whatever he said do, that's what we got to do. So as long as the Lord give me sense, I, you know what thing that you're not going to hear as the Lord give me sense and permission, me telling you that it's OK to do anything different and that, you know what, it don't it don't really. No, 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 no. Just listen. Even if that was the case, do it simply on the strength of what he said. If in the Bible, you only seen him do it this way, you do it only that way. Don't get hyper intelligent. Take your degree and put it on the shelf. Go sit down with that. Go, go let that cool off. Put that aside. God don't need you to reason and puzzle through salvation. All you need to do is realize that you are a sinner. You cannot get yourself right. You need to repent of your sin, turn your mind towards God and away from sin and let God fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's not hard. But for as much as it is not hard, it is also not something you can just do on your own. You cannot save yourself. You must, you must be obedient to that which he has committed to you. What has he committed to you? The responsibility of repenting of your sins, owning up to your sins, turning away from sin, meaning turning your mind away from him. In other words, having intention to do the right thing and no longer intention to do the wrong thing, turning towards him and then obeying what the word of God says. When it comes to the word of God, family, I'm very, I'm very, very old fashioned. When I say that, I simply mean that if the word, I, I don't, I don't believe in doing anything outside of what's seen in that scripture. So when it comes to that, one thing that you won't hear me say, I don't care what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter from procedure to roles, to, to titles, to position, it doesn't matter. If I don't see it done a certain way, done in a way that I'm getting ready to do it or somebody else is doing it, uh-uh, that thing is not to be done. See, I can't vouch for none of the other stuff as working, but I can vouch all day long for God's word and God's way working. Why? Because it works. It works. It works. David had to deal with all of this stuff. 
the enemy didn't care who 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 was all in the vicinity didn't care about none of their titles none of that kind of stuff he came and hit them all up with his threats and all that kind of stuff and try and his and his in his intimidation tactics yet it was this simple man this king in waiting to be anointed a psalmist by calling a musician by talent a shepherd by divine appointment but a servant by choice did you hear the word of god he said let no man's heart fail because of him this is first samuel 17 32 and look at that beport thy servant will go and fight with this philistine amen amen it was this man who was just passing through remember david was just sent to take provisions that's what he was done doing that's what he was sent to do but it was and it was this man who was just passing through that arose to meet the challenge of the enemy head on it wasn't the king that did it it wasn't his his soldiers it wasn't his elite squad it wasn't none of that nope it was this young man who for all intents and purposes he had no title had no none of this kind of stuff that anybody else that they all knew about really for the most part that his kingdom and everybody else was aware of no to them man this is just the guy that that Saul had coming in playing music when he got disturbed and unsettled that i mean that i mean they didn't go for for the kingdom it's just just it's little david but it was this man he was a nobody for all intents and purposes but it was this nobody that stood to the challenge that rose to the occasion and when he did he took the challenge of the enemy head on look at him look at david starting out with let no man's heart fail uh-oh let no man's heart fail see in essence he starts out by addressing the elephant in the room and I, and, and and as you listen to me you know what that is the elephant in the room is that problem and that obstacle that tends to always find its way into the situation, into the scenario, whenever life's challenges come about. You know what it is? It's called fear. That's the elephant in the room. Many times with life situations and circumstance, fear creeps into the room. And I love it because this scripture, because David's response is actually a beautiful precursor and foreshadow to the character of Christ. Remember, Christ has, is not yet on the scene. Amen. But he would come through the lineage of David. And, and, and I love David. That's what's so marvelous about what God did through David. You, you, David, in many ways, in, 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 he had his problems, but there were areas of God, of David's responses, David's actions and activities. There were areas of those that really, when you study the word of God, they really exemplified or they really brought out and foreshadowed the character that we would see modeled and demonstrated in Christ. Why did I say, why do I say modeled and demonstrated in Christ because Jesus is our greatest example and what he did was for the purpose that we might do the same and greater amen 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 so the life that our Lord and Savior walked in the natural 
while residing in the physical body. That was for our learning and edification and our instruction. It was for the demonstration of the life that we must live and to the degree and caliber that we must live it. Jesus demonstrated for us exactly what he is expecting of us. He demonstrated what your actions should be. He demonstrated where your words should fall. He demonstrated where your heart should reside. All of those things. He modeled that behavior for us. He didn't just come telling us, no. God came and showed us. And his desire is that we follow in that path. Amen. Amen. See, Jesus, who is God, often helps us start a task or an assignment by first dispelling the fear that surrounds it. Amen. Oftentimes the Lord does that. Helps us start the task, start the process, start the pursuit, whatever it is. And the first thing that he does before we ever even get into all the other stuff is that he starts with tackling or dispelling the fear that surrounds it. Have you ever thought about why the Lord does that? Why does he tend to start there? Got to give you a task, got to give you instruction, got to do all these different things. But before all of that, many times, what he'll do is, is that before we get good and going in earnest on whatever the task is, whatever the instruction is, oftentimes he'll deal, he'll take time to help dispel the fear surrounding it. And there's a reason why. Because fear is always going to be an adversary to progress. This is why God does it. See, when God gives you a task, he knows that one of the first things that he must deal with in order to help you. Because God doesn't just give you a task that he himself is not willing to help you shoulder. Every task that God gives you, he actually helps you shoulder it. And it is precisely because of this that it is of the utmost importance to the enemy to make you lose sight of that. To let, to, to, to trick you into thinking that you are alone in whatever it is. The Lord quickly deals with fear, dispelling fear, because he knows that's usually going to be the first tactic the enemy tries to use in order to stop your progress before it starts. Because again, fear will all, is always an adversary to progress. More, I would probably, you know, I would say that probably more things don't get done 
because of fear than anything else. Probably more. And I don't have no scientific evidence and all that other kind of stuff. And I don't have, but you know, just but just observing human behavior, just observing people being people, and watching the times. In my personal observation of things, when things don't get done, more times than not, myself included, when stuff don't get don't get done, it's not really because there wasn't the ability. It's not even because there weren't um, the things that were needed weren't present and accounted for. But more often than not, you know what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is: fear, worry, concern. But at the end of the day, we can just roll it all up under fear. And the devil and the and, and and the devil wants you feeling like you're in a state of fear. Why? Because again, it stifles progress. And so God really comes, and so you see, can see why God will often start there and start dealing with that. Amen. Don't you hear God addressing fear? Do you hear him telling you, don't be afraid? Look at Proverbs 3.25. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. Don't you hear him telling you, don't be afraid right there? Talking about suddenly, being suddenly afraid. And what he's talking about here really is, is that when calamity begins to happen and you look at it and all kinds of things happen and all this kind of different thing, all these sorts of things, calamity and, and, and bad things coming upon the wicked. He says, when you, in essence, what he's saying, when you start to see those things and things start happening and these bad things happening suddenly. Sudden occurrences of negative things or negative looking things has a tendency to inspire fear. And so here you have God telling you straight up, be not afraid of sudden fear. Neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. The word of God says evil shall slay the wicked and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. Might want to look up Psalms 34. Take a look and read that. Amen. Do you hear God addressing fear? Proverbs 3.24. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down and thy sleep shall be sweet. God don't want you to be afraid when it's time to get rest. There are times for when what God has for you, you know what, you know what you're going to need? You're going to need something very natural. You know what it's called? Rest. You're going to need to be rested up. So that you can be at 100%, so that you can be focused, so that you can be locked in. Ready to go. And move and operate. Do you not think the enemy know that too? So what do the enemy want? You to be restless. 
want your mind filled with all of the drama of society and today and all this kind of stuff want you watching the news more than you need to beyond just staying abreast of what things are but just focusing on won't you all just all kind of stuff just want you focus on all everything all the concerns and issues all of those different things why because it wants you restless want your mind filled with all of that but did you hear the word of god in proverbs 3 24 when thou liest down, thou shalt what? Not be afraid. Yea, thou shalt lie down, and thy sleep shall be sweet. When you of the household of faith and you live in now, let me tell you something. If you call yourself a Christian or a child of God and you are not living right, this blessing does not apply to you. You got no, th these are things that God does for those who are what? Obedient. When you are living according to the word of God, you can count on God doing exactly what he said he's going to do. Amen. Amen. Do you hear God addressing fear? How about Jeremiah 1 and 8? Be not afraid of their faces, for I, am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Do you hear God talking to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, first thing he can't do, what, what God is calling him to do, some fear coming in. New tasks sometimes bring with it the, uh, 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 the thoughts of not being adequate, not being able to do or perform the task that is being assigned to you. Sometimes new tasks can, 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 can happen. That's no different even in the household of faith when God assigns you spiritual things to do or work to do. It ain't uncommon to, especially if you haven't done it before, at times to feel like, man, can I really do this? Am I, am I, am I biting off more than I can chew? Is it is God, you got the right person? All that kind of stuff. Jeremiah went through it. You. And I are going to go through it. Again, if you are a so-called child of God, you're not living right. This don't apply to you. You gonna need to be afraid of their faces. When you are following the word of God, God will keep you. To the one whose mind is stayed on him, he's going to keep him in perfect peace. Oh, yes, he will. So it is advantageous to make sure that, you, that you're doing what God wants you to do. Why? So that these wonderful promises can apply to you. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. When the enemy try to intimidate you, with the images, notice what he said, be not afraid of their faces. So he's talking about what you see. Don't be afraid of what the enemy pre presents. The enemy, the world is going to present all kinds of different things. And it's going to be more than enough if you focus on it to make you afraid. Whereby keeping you stagnant, because remember, fear is an adversary, an enemy to progress. That's why it's a favorite tactic of the enemy. But he tells Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Don't be afraid of what you see. 
We live in a world where guess what? Newsflash, not everything looks cool. It don't always look good. Some stuff looks really terrible and it looks downright scary. But do you hear the Lord? Be not afraid. Not telling you to just be afraid for this, you know, not be afraid just for the strength of not being afraid. No, he give you a reason. He said, because I am with thee. And he and notice what he said. He didn't just, and not just there for no reason, but a purpose. I'm with thee to what? Deliver thee. You don't have to be afraid because not only is God with there, but with you, but God is with you with a purpose. And I love it because that purpose is in direct opposition of the circumstance in hand. In other words, fear is on hand. And God is there precisely for the purpose for dealing with that. I am with thee to what? Deliver thee. Amen. Glory to God. Do you hear God? Addressing fear? Look at Ezekiel 2, 6 through 8. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it this morning. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them. Neither be afraid of their words. Listen to God there. Though briars and thorns be with thee. Talking about obstacles and all and challenges. That's what we're what we talking about. Adversary, all these different things. And thou do it, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor be ashamed of their looks. Though they be a rebellious house, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. So, in other words, he said, whether they listen or not, for they are most rebellious. In other words, he said, You're gonna speak my words. I called you to speak my words, whether people gonna listen to it or they're gonna turn it away. I called you for a purpose is what he's telling you here. I gave you an assignment. And that assignment is independent of whether people are going to listen or not. I have given you the assignment to talk. That's what he's talking about. And then look at verse eight. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house, for they are most rebellious. He says, be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Do you hear him dealing with fear? Telling you, look, don't be afraid. Not only Jeremiah said, you don't even need to be, don't be afraid of what they, of their faces, how they looking and all that kind of stuff. Then Ezekiel comes back and tells you, don't even be afraid of their words. And he reconfirms and how they look. 
Notice, remember verse six said, nor dismayed at their looks. He said, don't even be afraid of how they're looking, but no, you also don't even be afraid of what they're saying. Yeah, you dwelling among Scorpio, you, yeah. He says, but what I told you to do, that's what you, that's all you need to focus on. Don't worry about being, listen, don't worry about whether they're going to listen or not. You know why, you know why that's important there? Because that's what we tend to base or gauge success on. So when God tells us to do something, we tend to gauge the success of that. When God tells us to go tell somebody something, okay, let me make it more plain. Go share this, go give this. We tend to base that on success of it anyway. We tend to base the success of it on the positive result. So if I say it and then they respond the correct way with obedience, then I say, well, you know what? It was successful. The task was completed successfully. God does not measure when it comes to his word. He does not measure the success on the response of the people. It's independent. You got to understand one plants, one waters. God gives the increase. You can never base that success. Ministry cannot be based on numbers. That's why you got to get out of that. It ain't about how many people you get to do the X. Quality over quantity. You got to understand that. God is looking for you to simply be obedient. He's going to take care of the part of who listens and who doesn't. Let him deal with that. You stay out of that. If God has given you an assignment and a ministry to operate in, you ought be faithful to that. And don't base its success on the favorable responses of people. Why? Because they might not respond the way that you want to. And what he told Ezekiel, he says, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. He says, you're going to speak my words. You're instructed to speak my words, whether people listen or not. But then he says, you just make sure that you don't become like them and you become rebellious. Open your mouth and you consume what I give you. Eat what I give you. Two more scriptures and we'll wrap it up. John 6 and 20. Listen at God. Telling us not to be afraid. 620. Jesus talking, but he saith unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Do you hear God dealing with fear? Giving you a reason to not have to dwell in the clutches of fear. By reminding you that it's him. See, at this point, the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea and they got real afraid. They seen something, basically saw something they never saw before. And when you and I come up against something that we have never seen before, especially in the area of ministry, if God assigned that task, don't you be afraid at all. 
Why? Because the Lord is with you. He says, be not afraid. It is I. You don't have to be afraid because he's here. Because actually, when you look at the word order of that, he literally tells you it is I, and then he tells them not to be afraid. In essence, what God, what the Lord was saying is, is that when he's here, oh, you ain't got no need for that fear, that type of fear. There's no, there's no place for it. You don't need it because he's here. And then finally, Matthew 17 and verse 7. And Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and be not afraid. Do you hear God dealing with fear? He's dealing with it so much that he's telling you that in the midst of it, you don't have to stay there. Get up. He deals with it by telling you, you can arise above it. You can stand up out of it. You don't have to sit there wallowing in fear. Woe is me. Jumping at every shadow. Being stifled by every news report and thing that you hear going on today. No, you don't. Not at all. And I told you that was the last scripture, but this is actually the last scripture. One more. You don't have to be in all that. Why? Because 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us this. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you are of the household of faith, you are following the word of God, but you are feeling like fear is starting to overwhelm you or creep in. That fear doesn't come from the Lord. Doesn't bring torment. That ain't from God. Stand up. Because your God is with you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, arise. Be not afraid. Stand up. Stand up. Get up because the Lord of heaven and earth is with you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. God bless you family until next time. Wow.